0: Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 129. I am really thrilled to invite a dear, dear friend onto the show today, Kate Kendall, uh, who has a book that's come out literally today, uh, A Life in Flow, and, and it's a beautiful book divided into four chapters and really helps people understand the practical nature of yoga being brought into your day-to-day life as a concept rather than something that you have to go and make shapes on a mat in a class in a studio and be size six and drink green smoothies all the time and be vegan you know there's there's this kind of uh, perception that yoga is a certain thing for a certain type of people and Kate is Adamant that more and more people feel uh, that yoga can belong in them and uh, in their lives. So it's a really, really beautiful chat where she shares a very personal story about uh, a lot of mess that she was in in her life and how she found yoga right through to uh, some of the texts that inspire her the philosophies that she's taken on into her life and into the way she teaches, and it's a, a really beautiful chat. So, if yoga is something of interest to you, or if it's something that you've never gelled with but you're looking to see how you might, uh, then I reckon Kate's the girl for the job. She's uh, she's very good at converting people to yoga. Let's put it that way. She certainly converted me. So uh, before I hook into that chat, I just want to share with you the very exciting news that this month we have Walida as our show sponsor, and that means we have a really, really amazing giveaway and a really amazing offer. So I don't know if you guys know yet, uh, but Skin Food, the iconic product in the Walida range, I think the one that stands out the most for many, many Uh, Walida lovers, is uh, not only was it launched in 1926 and the same skin food has been made the same way since that very day, but it's now got brothers and sisters. So there's now a skin food family of products. And this happened mainly because people over the years have said, gosh, I love skin food, but I'd really like something Exactly the same, but lighter for my skin, or a richer body button, butter, or I'm vegan and I want skin food. I wish there was something for me, or maybe they said they wanted a lip balm. Anyway, you spoke, Walita listened, and you're getting a lot. So, there are now in the range uh, the traditional skin food that's never going to change. Uh, And then there's Skin Food Light, which is absolutely beautiful. It means that skin food can really carry through to be a summer product. Skin Food Body Butter, which is a vegan product now. It doesn't contain either the lanolin or the beeswax in the body butter. Uh, And Skin Food Lip Balm, that's very, very high fat, high lanolin content, amazing for people who have lip woes Uh, you will absolutely love that i've tried the entire range i had the good fortune of being free on the morning that it was being launched to the press so i went along had a little feel of everything and wow it is beautiful and what i love is they bring through some of the essential oils that feature in the products um, in in different kind of um, uh, sort of uh, top notes, if you like, like the standout fragrance of each is slightly subtly different. So for me the body butter is really beautiful, pure orange uh, scent and um, and the lip balm's a little bit more vanilla and, yeah, it's really, really gorgeous. So it's a beautiful range. If you haven't tried skin food before, I have two ways that you can try that uh, this month. Now for the first two weeks of March – they are very generously giving us five skin food prize packs. So there's a giveaway. And you have to go to, now you can either write this down or, of course, it's all in the show notes, walida.com.au forward slash LTL hyphen giveaway. So that's www.willida.com.au forward slash LTL hyphen giveaway. And, uh, and you just fill out your details and are in the chance to win. And in those prize packs, you get the Skin Food 75ml, 30ml, you get Skin Food Light, you get Skin Food Body Butter, and you get Skin Food Lip Balm. And at the end of the two weeks, we'll draw five winners and I'll announce them here on the show. And then, of course, for the whole month, you will receive a free Skin Food 75ml, so a full-size big Skin Food, with all orders over sixty nine ninety five, and the code for that uh, is LTL Skin Food. That's while stocks last. Uh, so please, if that excites you in any way, if you're a big fan of Skin Food, you could even like buy four and get one free, or you could just do uh, a little mix of the different things you use from the Willita range and get your free Skin Food. So please hop on that. That's an amazing offer. It's valued at $22.95 and you get it absolutely free. So if you need to stock up on a few things, I know lots of you use the Baby Range, lots of you with um, children with eczema use the White Mallow products. Um, I personally am a huge fan of the Smoothing Rose Face Cream Day and Night uh, and, uh, of course, the Rosemary Bath Milk, Rosemary Hair Tonic, rosemary, anything for me really, arnica, um, massage oil. I could go on and on about the products I've liked and I've actually listed a few if anyone's newer to the range and you want to try them. So that's what's going on this month with Willita. Thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show, giving us five prize packs uh, potentially for you to win and an amazing deal of free skin food with orders over $69.99. So enjoy that one and uh, enjoy the show. So I just want to tell you a little bit more about Kate before I hook into the show. So she calls herself a life student, which I love. She's so curious. She always brings to class a new text that she's read, a new philosophy she's trying to digest and, and... Always takes us through some of the things she's noticing from the outside world and what she's learning, and brings them into her class. So she's very much a curious person, and um, and those tend to be my favourite types of people—people people who just have a thirst for learning, who so deeply admit that there is so little that we know, and always asking questions and trying to uh, trying to find you know new wisdom from other people. Uh, it's always beautiful to see. So she is the co-founder and director of yoga at Flow Athletic in Sydney's Paddington suburb, and she's going to share a little bit about that journey um, into becoming a business owner today. Um, and she's re- like her particular passion is teaching the art of slowing down. Uh, Her approach to yoga is very down to earth, super lighthearted. She often cracks a joke right at the moment that you've been in worry and one pose for like four hours and (laughs) you just can't handle it anymore. Uh, And she's a gifted yoga teacher trainer and has a wonderful e-course called The Space Between, which then sort of went on to become the foundation for this book. So it's a great chat. She's a beautiful human. I think you're going to learn loads about yoga and life uh, in today's show. I hope you enjoy
1: Hey, Katie, how are you? Good, Alex. Thank you. How are you?
0: I am super well, and I'm really thrilled to have you on the show this week. Uh, it was one of those like serendipitous things where I've been meaning to catch up with you for months and months uh, and uh, see your gorgeous baby girl and... Um, One thing led to another. Then you texted me all of a sudden out of the blue. I'm like, perfect. I've been wanting to catch up with you. And then I was like, let's do a show together because you've got this beautiful new book out. Uh, And uh, what's the official launch date?
1: So, first of all, thank you. And, yes, it was perfect, perfect timing. I was calling you for a little bit of advice, (laughs) as I often do. Um, And... Yeah, the official launch date for the book is Monday.
0: Amazing, that's today. That's so good. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, So good. And so, I mean, I want to obviously get into the book in a little bit, but I think for Mm -hmm. the people who haven't done our courses where you regularly feature guiding us through beautiful meditations and things, um, I would love for them to be able to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, let's just start with... Um, how you got into yoga
1: okay so I whenever uh, someone asks me you know how I actually got into yoga I kind of it goes back and I'll keep it a pretty brief version of the story but I always think that it goes back to when I was in high school and I unfortunately like many other girls at that age of sort of 13, 14 um, became really unwell Um, I basically stopped eating I was diagnosed with anorexia And I was lucky to have a lot of really supportive friends around me. I was at boarding school. Mm -hmm. My mum sort of um, came up to Sydney and did this, I guess, what you call a little bit of an intervention. And so luckily I physically became well again fairly quickly, recovered, but mentally I guess I just never was the same. You know, I was always the girl before the eating disorder that was really competitive. I had the fire in my belly. I was kind of friends with, you know, I had a great group of friends. Um, you know, I was really a bit cheeky with all the teachers. I was just that that kid, really competitive, um, really great at sports, just, just, you know, showing up fully. Mm. Um, and then the depression, I guess, lingered and stayed with me and I wasn't quite the same. Um, and I guess it stayed with me through university when Finally, I, um, I saw my boyfriend's um, mother was a GP and she just said, look, I, I think it might pay for you to, um, to to see someone and I was put on medication. So this happened all through university. And, um, so I
2: you're
1: in your early university. 20s by now? In my early 20s and I'm medicated. And um, as you do when you're in uh, university, you party a lot and I um, actually after leaving university, went to the UK for about a year Mm -hmm. and, you know, partying a lot in university. And then later when I got a job in advertising and and went to the UK for a year, I guess still partying, um, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of drinking and going out. Not really great to be doing while you're on medication. Mm -hmm. Um, So that wasn't really contributing to a healthy... um, Outlook, healthy mind for me at all But look, when I came back from the UK I thought I'm going to ease my way back into fitness i got to do something, i got to start something oh, so, so you,
0: you went it- from being Super sporty at school to kind of Leaving school and Um, and not being sporty all of a sudden. Is that right? No. no, I I was exactly the same. I have this theory that it's because we go into uni and then go into jobs and things, and if you were in team sports or sports that were organised by clubs where you kind of showed up and it just happened, uh, and all of a sudden no one's doing that for you anymore, there's no board to sign up on, you actually have to figure it out yourself and make an effort, I think it takes a few years to recalibrate, right, and realise, hold on, I missed that.
1: Yeah, I've got to actually take responsibility because it's mm. not as easy for me as a kid. You know, you're just fit, you're healthy, you're running around all the time. Yeah, But you got I guess you've got to take that responsibility when you're a bit older. Plus, you know, I was very active in the pub, you know, I was definitely showing up there. It was just <laughs> it was one of those things, and especially in the UK, anyone who does a gap year or goes over there for a year can probably um, agree that, you know, you do a lot of that sort of... Um, Drinking over there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. long story short, came back. I'm going to ease my way back into fitness. I was living in Bondi. I thought I'm going to try yoga. I've heard yoga is really good for building muscle and you know long, lean um, muscles and limbs, and it's going to make me look really good. So I got into it out of vanity. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to this yoga studio in North Bondi called the Dharma Yeah.
2: And
1: um, and I still remember it plain as day. Um. I'm lying down because everyone else was laying down and I'm sort of just copying everyone else. And the guy next to me starts breathing really funny, which I now know is Ujjayi breath. <laughs> I remember the light streaming through the window. I remember the incense burning. I remember the daisies on the wall. And I just remember thinking, whoa, I do not belong here. Like, I should be still at work after work having off after work drinks or, you know, but I fumbled my way through it. I felt like. Drunk Bambi, um, and I got to the end of the class, and I was walking home. So that was in North Bondi. I was walking sort of towards mid sort of Bondi area, and I literally, Alex, remember stopping
2: mm. on
1: the on the in my in my tracks and just thinking, or, or feeling rather, I had this really intense and overwhel- overwhelming feeling because I was so connected to my body. Um, but, but for so many years I'd been numb and I'd been I'd been on antidepressants and I kinda was just really like level. I never really had any I never remember feeling in those years high intense joy or even I was down but it was like I don't know what this feeling was and I'd numb it out. But this was a really sharp feeling and I don't even remember it being and You know, in inverted commas, a great feeling, but I could feel.
2: Mm. I
1: thought, is it the yoga? So I'd go back time after time, and within a month, I was practicing really consistently. I'm talking like four times a week. I was loving the way that it made me feel. My body was changing already, and um, and I came off my antidepressants, and I've literally never looked back from then. And I guess the yoga, the yoga definitely became my medicine and I just I just knew from that point you know about a month after practicing consistently this is going to be in my life forever mm. and um yeah it turned out that it was that's in amazing a, in, a, in a big way
0: amazing and yeah. can we talk so, uh, about um can we talk about uh how you turned it into a profession and yeah the role that uh, a wonderful man called Ben Lucas played in in giving you yeah. uh, a sense of confidence around that sort of because you know I've been taught yoga by a bunch of people, but there's definitely something special about the way you teach, and uh, Aww, and they absolutely. You, is. Um, and I'm gutted that the tennis that I've signed up for on Monday nights is the same time as your class. Oh no! <laughs> but I do oh, love my tennis. Back. I will come back.
1: You'll come back. Um, you got to you uh, got to you got to prioritize your joy, Alex. I'm yeah, glad you're doing that, tennis. Oh, I love um, tennis. So
0: yeah, I think that's a really beautiful story, and I think. Often it just kind of illustrates for me a lot of us meet people and people kind of light things up about us that we didn't have the confidence to light up in ourselves, maybe at that point in time. And and I think you know, for more of us to pay attention to these guiding lights that turn up in our life, mm. would be a very good mm. thing.
1: Mm. Mm. Follow the charm, this yeah. Is, this is all in the book, okay. So, how that happened, how I came to meet Benny was so I was you know, I kept practicing at the Dharma Shala, and um, and one day. As I mentioned, I had a job in advertising in the city and one day I'd, I'd done a morning practice and I'd gotten changed in the bathrooms and I was just leaving and the owner of the studio, Rick, who I really started to admire, you know, Rick, I mean, as this story is about to illustrate is the reason I teach, he taught me so much. He gave me a really amazing, incredibly strong foundation for teaching and for practicing um, and the philosophy of yoga, um, and anyway, I was leaving the studio to catch a bus, and he he, he kind of stopped me. He said, "Katie, you know, um, you'd make a really good yoga teacher one day." And I think I'd kind of like in my head flirted with the idea of it, but I was too afraid to say or admit it that I actually thought about doing some training. And so it was just such a powerful, powerful moment for me because it illustrated to me for sure that if you something in someone and you believe them, tell them. Mm. You've got to tell them you because can. it can have such a profound effect on the rest of their lives, which it did for me. Mm. Um, and so I went away and then all I could think about was teacher trainings. Where can I do my teacher training? Should I go and see? Should I do it here? How will I do it? Yoga retreats? I was just obsessed with the idea of it. And I finally um, decided, okay, I'm going to go to India. I'm going to go to the birthplace of yoga and I'm going to do it over there. So it was a two month full time course. So I was gonna have to leave my job and that was a really big call in itself. It's like you're gonna leave a job where you have a consistent pay and a great team. You're in a great team but yeah, you're not that into the role. Mm. Like you know it you know it's not lining you up. Yeah. So I was like, Okay, the pain of being in a role that's not lining up me up for the rest of my life is probably going to be worse than not having money for a
2: couple
1: of months, mm. or you know, I, I was pretty optimistic about the fact that if I can't find work, I'll you know, I'll find it doing something else. Yeah. So I bit the bullet and I went to Goa in India, and I did my first 200 hour yoga teacher training, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And then when I came back, I actually couldn't get work. Um, as back a, as a yoga teacher,
0: or back in advertising? No,
1: back in advertising. I thought, okay, I went for the safe option. I went when I get back. I am just going to get some work in advertising, and then I'll dabble in the teaching. Not really wanting to commit because I think I was a bit scared. Mm. I was definitely scared. And it was then it was when the um, GFC had kind of hit, and we were kind of feeling the effects in, in Sydney. And no one would hire me. And I was at a party, and there was a girl who I knew through a friend, and she worked. She managed a gym called Titan Fitness in Kensington. And she said, look, we're introducing yoga. We've never had it before. I have a whole stack of resumes for yoga teachers on my desk. She said, I could go through it, that mm-hmm. stack, or I could give the job to you. And I went, ooh, there's a little charm. There's a little there's mm-hmm. a little hint for me. Um, do I take it or do I stay with – or do I keep trying to piss you what I think you say? So I went, okay, I'm going to take the job. And I remember teaching that first class. Two people rocked up. Um. It was kind of off putting. One of the guys that came was just like ridiculously attractive, and I felt like, what am I doing? I'm so like out of my comfort zone, and (laughs) I'm going to be a fraud. And anyway,
0: you had a um, what's that moment came Dirty Dancing? I carried a
1: watermelon,
0: (laughs) and then she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I said that."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I I remember like halfway through it, I was like, "Oh, I've got this." Like. Oh this is, this feels really good. I, I love the feeling of it. Mm. And um I continued to to work there and they opened up another beautiful gym which is still in in Kuji and I worked there and I I I started I things just started happen, happening yeah. from there. I started word of mouth. I I got a few privates and then that person told Others and I got more privates and that's a really good way to earn um, when you're when you're a freelance yoga teacher a, a private. Mm. So I was doing a whole bunch of privates and um, after about oh maybe a year and a half of teaching solidly, that's when Rick from the Dharma and where I was still practicing. He said, all right, let's get you in, and that was scary because mm. that was like me going into a room full of people who have been practicing for years, like yes, way longer than I had. The hardcore studio, yeah. Right, and this yeah. was way back when, when, I mean, now yoga in Bondi and Bondi Junction, it's, it's the most yoga dance per capita place in the world apparently, Bondi and Bondi Junction, which really surprises me. Right per capita, mm-hmm. so it's crazy now. But back then, Dharma was the place. It was traditional. It was like, you know, quite quite strict in it in, in its ways. And um, so I was freaking out a little bit. But again, after my first class, the feeling was just like, uh, the feeling the, the feeling I had was probably like I was at home. Yeah. I was at home. Yeah. Um. and so that's where I started to really teach and I was that's where I started to teach mostly, you know, I gave up a lot of my other jobs in gyms to be in that studio because it did feel like home and um. And then this guy started coming to my classes, Benny and um. he'd come in with the same blue hat every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock he'd perch himself in the same corner one day we struck up a conversation and he asked if he could do some privates with me because he was running an ultra marathon
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I'd go to his house and Um, we do these privates together and, um, and then one day he was like, why don't you have your own studio? You know, I come to your Saturday class now and, you know, it's packed and, and, you know, you're obviously getting people into your classes. And my response was, well, I am not good enough. I don't have enough money. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not enough, basically when I look back at my responses and he was like okay well you're never going to be experienced enough you're never going to have enough money you just you just find a way
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I said okay let me think about it which I I kind of do that and still in our business relationship now I'm the one who goes away and thinks for a day or so and he's like let's do it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. (laughs) um and and, and it came at the right time because I was actually about to go to Canada with Lululemon. They'd invited myself and another go- girl from Melbourne to go to um, Whistler. To They brought together a whole heap of their ambassadors from all over the world and they just basically threw tools at us from being entrepreneurs in the fitness industry. Amazing. It was the most incredible couple of days. It yeah. was amazing. Talk about time. And um, we got to meet um, Chip Wilson, who's the founder of Lululemon, and, and listen to him talk and ask him questions. It was really was quite a profound experience it was a bit of a game changer and I came back from that really inspired and I said to Benny I want to do this but actually I want to do this with someone who knows what they're doing because it's kind of he was kind of hinting and suggesting that look you set it up I'll kind of help you and guide you um but I was like no I want to I want to do this with someone else and so you you felt really strongly
0: about actually having a partnership not just a mentor
1: yeah, yeah yeah And then he kinda of had to think about it. You know, he had gyms. He had really established um personal training gyms along mm. the north side of Sydney. And so, um he said, Okay, let's do it. I think he could still keep his other businesses and but we just kept meeting and talking about it and we had all these great ideas and then the vision for Slow athletic just built and built and built and before we knew it he was like, I'm gonna have to sell my gym. And put everything into this business, which is a massive, 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 massive call for him. And we did it. And there were sure, for sure, plenty of sleepless nights for him in particular. Mm-hmm. Him, when we first opened the business, we were kind of opening a business where we didn't, it, was, it wasn't it was a proven model at that stage. You know, we were kind of the first ones doing what we were doing.
2: Yeah.
1: And he'd come from like one of those, I guess, not so much a cookie cut, kind of business but there was a plan as a template um and he had to just you know as you go in with his expertise and make it thrive which isn't easy to do anyway Mm. so so Flow athletic was a different concept but um somehow we've managed to pull it off and now we've got this amazing thriving community that we call home and family so we're very lucky and i'm very lucky to have someone like Benny, in, who I talk about in the book, I refer to him a lot as well, actually, just because it goes back to that whole believing piece, like Rick believed in me. you got If you believe in someone, tell them you've got to back them up because um, yeah, it can, can be life-changing for that person.
0: Yeah, it really can. And, um, and so sort of given we're moving, you just mentioned the book, I reckon that's a pretty good segue for us to start um, dipping into that a bit more. You've talked mm. about your personal transition as uh, into becoming a yogi. And mm. I-, I love that you also talked about, like, your first time in a yoga studio. There's the guy with the funny breathing. There's this, there's that. And you're thinking, I'm never going to be this <laughs> spiritual no. like, guru type. This is so not my area or mm. place to be. What do mm. you think a yogi is? And, mm. and what... Um, What enables those of us who aren't size six and on Instagram, I'm not Mm -hmm. referring to your feed by any Mm -hmm. means here, but I'm just saying there seems to be a really visual culture around what a yogi looks like and what they eat and what they drink and how they live their life and what they do in their spare time. But I feel like there's a massive disconnect between that and what yoga could offer just the regular busy nine to fiver or stay at home parent or you know all those other types of people might be missing out on something amazing Mm. because we've built it up to look like this one thing and one thing only does that make sense
1: yeah for sure Mm. like in that first class when i was in there just thinking i do not belong here i didn't get the philosophy of yoga i didn't get that yoga is a lifestyle it's a way of life and it's actually for everyone if 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 you know if, if you should choose to participate And you know, I'd come. I grew up in the country. I was this country girl. Grew up, you know, a bit of a tomboy, getting dirty around the property on my motorbike, on my BMX, water skiing. You know, like I was like, this is not, this is not my world. Um, But what I came to realise after practicing and learning about the philosophies was that, you know. It is a way of life, and the asana, the physical practice, which we commonly refer to as yoga, you know, it's what we do on our yoga mat, we mm-hmm. roll out a mat, and we do all the shapes, and, and, you know, people going to pack classes for it. That's called the asana practice. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really just like one little scratch of what yoga is. Yoga is this whole way of life. And it's interesting to note that the original intention of the asana practice um, was simply so that at the end of the practice, yogis, all those years ago, could sit. And by the way, all those years ago, it was not as complex as we've made the practice. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a series or a couple of, a handful of postures that they would do to open the hips, to lengthen the spine so that they could sit in meditation for longer that was it. That was the original intention of the asana practice so they could sit in stillness and meditate.
0: Wow. We, I don't think a lot of some, people would know that. So you're no. literally torturing yourself in Warrior Two for hours <laughs> on end until the teacher says, and two more rounds of breath, and you're like, no. <laughs> and we're doing all of that to be able to sit in meditation well, for longer. That's amazing. No, I've never really realized like, that.
1: This, Merit, I think, in like the the, the building the mental resilience, oh, holding of course. the posture. No, no,
0: I'm 100 because... percent subscribed. It's all good, <laughs> yeah. but um, but I just find it interesting that that's where it stems from. That there was totally. a very clear that reason. was it. Yeah, let's make yep. sense less painful.
1: It was created like for um, like Ashtanga yoga, which is a, a popular kind of yoga. That was that was actually created for teenage boys in India, or school boys. So that they could sort of um, get out all that excess energy and sit in class and focus, which is really interesting to note well, I as think well. Today's teenage um, boys
0: could do with that. That's um, they right. don't get to move around enough, nearly enough. Like yeah. one hour of PE in a school week is not enough mm. for the average growing child, but um, boys specifically need that for their dopamine. Um, release and uh, and it's, I would it's love, yeah. It wouldn't that be amazing? A, a, like a, a, a national curriculum on uh, yoga brought into schools.
1: That so would be, and I mean, look, I know a lot of schools are doing it now, but that would just be, oh, I wish I had have gotten into yoga in high school, but then you know what? I wouldn't have created, I probably wouldn't have created so much mess um, before the age of 25 and have all this life experience, so there's no regrets at all. Um, so, a yogi to me is basically, you know, if we look at scriptures as well, there aren't even a lot of the, um, there aren't a lot of references in the scriptures about the yoga postures and about the asana, the physical practice. It's all about a way of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, a yogi to me is basically anyone who understands and practices in some way the concept of presence. That's it. A yogi to me is someone who is when you're sitting with them and you're on a park bench, you feel like it's just you and that person because they're so connected. You know, they're not uh, they're not distracted by their phone. They're not distracted by someone over your shoulder. They're just they're right there with you. They're present, and it's that kind of presence that's really like it's magnetic. It draws you in. Mm. Um, that's a yogi. That's yeah, a yogi. They, that's- I know I know yogis who have never taken a yoga a yoga class in their life, but they're a yogi because they understand and practice that presence.
0: I love that and I think it's something that is so needed in this time where um, being connected has been completely disrupted into um, what it is now, which is uh, via technology. Um, Mm. Gosh, can you imagine actually sitting on a park bench and not feeling like when that person's phone vibrates because they got a message, you can literally see them leave you and think Mm. about only the phone. And I think that's mm-hmm. so sad. That's where we—that's where we are, and we have to admit that that's where we are, and really mm. unpack that, and get really raw with it before we can actually heal the situation and start to become present to to our right. our personal relationships again. Mm.
1: There has to be that recognizing, doesn't it, and mm. accepting of where we're at with it, and then I'd love for us to get back to be just like in a conversation, just eyeball to eyeball, and no phones and like I'm guilty of it too if I'm busy and I'm sitting with someone at lunch like but if I show a little bit of discipline the times when I do like they're always the most connected you know those conversations you have with someone where you just go really deep and You've spent an hour with them and it feels like you've been sitting there for 10 minutes kind of thing. I love and miss that kind of connection. And I talk to that a little bit in the book as well. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's social media and technology is awesome. Where would we be without it? Our businesses like thrive from it. Mm. It's like anything. Social media, just like alcohol. Um, if we use it wisely, it's there to be enjoyed. It's there to be used. It's there to be savored. Um, mm. But unfortunately, like we do with alcohol and other substances, we abuse it. Yeah. So that's why it becomes a bit of a problem.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But also back to your question with, um, you know, just some myths, you know, like these size six and what we see on Instagram, all the shapes. And it is when you really get I think. Yeah, sometimes the physical gets people into yoga like it did with me. Yeah, It's a pathway into the practice. And then when I was there, I was like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this new toned body, but oh wait, I love what it's doing to my mind. And oh wait, wow, there's this whole world of yoga that I didn't even know. There's so much to read. There's so many rich philosophies. There's so much inspiration for living a really ethical, gentle, compassionate way of 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 life. So that's why I guess I get kind of, um, it's a bit of a, it's sad when I hear people say, I, I can't do yoga because I can't touch my toes. I couldn't touch my toes when I mm. first started yoga. And it's definitely, definitely not the goal of it anyway. Um, totally overrated. Yeah. Um, what's another myth that I hear? Um, I can't meditate because my mind is too active. that's why we go to meditate and it's kind of like saying i don't go to the doctor because i'm sick yeah yeah and truth bomb here no yogi or no meditator no matter how far along their spiritual practice they are no one stops the mind completely like it's just not going to happen the idea in essence is to get still for long enough to slow down for long enough that we can actually notice when we're having the thoughts and not get attached to them yeah. and see them as just what they are, their thoughts. And most of the time they're just delusions, mm. the stories that we're making up. So that, that's the whole aim. It's just to be, oh, I'm having a thought. Okay, but now I can come back to the body and I can be present. Yeah. Um, what are some other myths that you get? Oh, if you're a yogi, um, you must be. Uh, one thing I get asked a lot is um, if I'm going to someone, uh, you know, that I've, I mean, Recently, I've gone to the house for the first time, often I get, so you're vegetarian, right, or you're vegan. Ah, and I'm okay. like, no, no, I pretty much eat everything. Um, yeah. So it was all these myths and um, like mysteries around yoga, but really in its essence, it's kind of for everyone. And there are so many different kinds of yoga, and forms of meditation that it's all about finding the right fit for you and finding the teacher that resonates with you and it's a game changer. It was for me anyway. So I always encourage people to don't give up on your first go. You're gonna feel awkward and strange in the first month or so, sometimes longer, but it's a lifelong practice. I totally agree.
0: And I've had so many coaching clients over the years that I've worked with um on, you know, just helping them achieve their lifestyle goals and I remember I had this one guy, uh, and, and you'll know this gentleman. He was a member at Flow for years before he moved over to the Inner West, um, and he was a highly, highly successful uh, C-suite exec um, type of um, person, and he really knew, like we had worked on the mindfulness and just helping him, uh, but he really knew that he needed it, but he said, I just can't do it. It's not working. I hate it. I can't stand it, even when I go to reach for the phone to put on the app to get the, I'm like, so what do you think of the person's voice on the app? And it's like, oh, it grates on me. I can't handle the accent, all these things. I was like, have you thought about just trying a few different ones? Different yeah, apps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, so often we quit because of a first impression. Mm, and, yes, yeah. first impressions are lasting. Unfortunately, we know that. But they're not the end of the road either and they're certainly not what the potential for that thing in your life um, uh, gets defined by. If you kind of know the gist of it is something that you need, persevere and find something that fits. I totally agree. I had done about, oh, I'd, I reckon I'd been to maybe a, about 10 yoga classes with various teachers all around the world. You know, if you're at a, on a holiday and there's a class at the hotel yeah. or this or that. And um, and then when I came to flow into one of your classes, I was like, "Oh, I actually like yoga." Because before, mm. I was just kind of doing it to do it, because I thought Ooh. I should, you know. And I think we have to audition the things that we bring into our lives a little bit more rigorously, because they yeah. have to feel That's like they fit. Advice. They have That's to feel like they advice. fit. Mm.
1: You do have to audition them, and and like you come into my class, it's not like even about I like, me, I'm glad that I provided a, like a, um, an environment in which you felt comfortable and that you enjoyed doing the practice. But sometimes it's just like something a teacher will say will resonate with you because you've had a similar life experience. Or, so it's all about what, yeah, what you resonate with. Yeah,
0: um, absolutely. Or, yeah. or what people can open up doors to help you see. And then all of a sudden you like any teacher because you'll see different yeah. things from them that will yeah. add to the experience. Yeah,
1: I see yeah. So it. So shop around. Yeah, shop around. Shop, shop around, around for your
0: doctor, shop around for your naturopath. Shop Don't just go, yeah. oh, they're a doctor, they should be able to help me. Or this is a yogi, she should be able to help me quieten my mind. You know, like, no, it's a team thing, and you have to mm-hmm. feel like it's working for both of you. Curious, be curious. Be curious. Yeah, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? So let's talk <laughs> about your beautiful book, Life in Flow. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, I still – we're both published by Murdoch, so I'm very happy that we're part of the same publishing Yay! family. That's super cool because they just do such a beautiful job bringing awesome. important messages out to the world. Um, and I want to kind of know what led you to uh, – how – actually, no, this is what I want to know. How did you organise everything you've learned about the practice of yoga and the way you want to live your life and show up in the world – into a format of chapters and a, a, a reader journey. Um, I'm always curious about that and I think it's uh, it's really beautifully laid out and I'd love to see the reasoning behind how you segmented and, and created the chapters yeah. of the book.
1: Okay. Well, um, I – funny, before this book, and I always kind of had an inkling that I wanted to write a book, but then I never had the strong urge um, before probably about a year and a half ago. Um but I had, you know, I've talked to you this about this before, I guess the reason why it's laid out the way it is and it has the themes that it does is because, um, you know, you said this to me once when we were talking about uh, my journey through opening the business and, and being, going through burnout, mm. you know, and basically feeling like a fraud. I was, we'd opened for athletic and for that first year, it was all just like, go, go, go. we were in reaction mode a lot. Um, I was managing a team of people. I was never used to managing a team of people. I was like this freelance, free-spirited yogi who spent my whole time on Bondi Beach, you know, mm. had a great tan, and then all of a sudden i would thrown into this environment, which I chose and loved, but it was full on, and I burnt out very, very, very quickly.
2: Yeah.
1: And as you said when I was telling you about that, my messaging then became about really slowing down, and you said, oh, so your message is in your mess. And I was like, Yes. I oh, yeah, remember that my conversation. Head. Yeah. Yes. At flow. And and so what I did was after that first year of burnout and going to our friend Anthea at Ovio and she's like, Yep, you've basically you're dreamingly fatigued, we need to sort you out, otherwise you if you ever want to have kids, it's you know, you're gonna have a really hard time conceiving and all these other critical kind of health issues. Mm. So I took myself off to the country. My parents, I grew up in the country, as I said before, um, and I just kind of uh, self-nurtured. You know, my mum looked after me, and I remembered some of those awesome tools from yoga that had really helped me in the beginning with my depression and a bit of anxiety, and I started to really use them, Mm. and really simple things, you know, like... Slowing down, you know, resting, Shavasana, plenty of Shavasana.
2: Yeah, my favourite.
1: Um, gra- grounding practices, um, doing things that make me really feel happy, being with people who make me feel happy, which I think we kind of, tend to forget about doing or making time. Because mm-hmm. in our busy lifestyles, we need to make time for that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, like
0: I call it scheduling joy and connectedness. Yep. Like you literally need to look at your diary and if you don't have a catch-up with a friend, even if it's just a short coffee mm-hmm. or walk, or even going to <laughs> yoga class together and chatting quickly before and after, then you got to get yeah. it in the diary. We do.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, things like that and just having connected conversations with people because what I was feeling was that I would be having a conversation with someone in this burnt out um, period and I just knew that I had a thousand things to do and I'd be talking to them pretending I was listening, but thinking about all the things that I needed to be doing and quietly in my brain or loudly in my brain, just going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up.
2: Mm. What? That is not
1: connection. That, that is not, you know, a huge part of yoga is listening. And I just felt like I was being a fraud. So anyway, I took a lot of these tools and I was like, I'm not just going to talk the talk. I need to walk the walk as well. So, um, just started doing it more. And, um, came out of that burnout and I was like, I can help other people because I could probably count about 10 people if I looked around me at any one time who I knew was experiences, experiencing to some degree the same kind of level of, of burnout. And um, I created an online course around it called The Space Between, which I still have. Um, and I basically turned it into the book but just packed in a whole lot of um, more information and beautiful photos and quotes and so the book is as you said in four chapters and the whole intention is for us through this book to slow down to spark joy and to connect and um, you know chapter one is all about grounding and slowing down chapter two is about joy writing so making time for that joy the third is about connection, so listening, having um, connected and conscious conversations, and the fourth is all about devotion. And in, in yoga, we really refer to that as karma yoga. Um, and and so through each chapter, each chapter has a moving meditation, and there's pictures to show the moving meditation, which are basically like you know four or five simple yoga poses linked together, and they're designed so that you practice that same linked sequence over and over again, so that it feels like a moving Meditation, so they're mm. not complex. They're they're pretty easy sort of yoga poses that anyone can do to really get you into that flow, that feeling of this repetitive moving movement. Which, after practicing for a while, makes you feel like you're doing a moving meditation, and it makes you feel good in the body too. Obviously, absolutely. Every chapter has a moving meditation in it. Mm. Um, every chapter has a mantra to go with it um, to practice. Internally, when you're doing that during meditation, and afterwards, if you're sitting in meditation, um, and in every chapter, I pull out and highlight yogis in my life who really inspire me, and they're, you know, one of them is another beautiful yoga teacher, Marianne that's all Athletic. One is a student, um, one is my mom, and another is well, I like I guess my energetic eighteen. He's like my counselor, my coach, my everything, all in one. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess really important in every chapter is what I call own the flow. So I'll talk to and explore and unpack a, uh, a yoga philosophy, mm-hmm. and then own the flow is okay. How can you? How can you? Um, how can you actually practice that?
0: Right, so can you share a little bit about one of them so that we can kind of get an idea of what that looks like? Because I think that's it. A lot of people go to a class and often you just leave that class on the mat when you leave. But what you're talking about sounds like you really help people bring it into their day-to-day life.
1: Yeah, so okay, so one of the uh, philosophies in there is a talk about um, or, or concept rather, is the concept of satsanga, which is community. And um, you know, satsanga, that is the word in Sanskrit, I guess, for community. And you know, one of the owner flows from that is looking at our circle of influence and who we're spending the most amount of time with. And it's just as really simple as okay, who are you spending most of the most amount of time with? How does that person make you feel? What are you contributing to the to the relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, is it and you know it really helps you to see like, is it a toxic relationship? Can you somehow change the nature of that relationship? Could you potentially replace, you know, gossip with going for a walk or positive chat. So just really simple simple exercises or self-inquiries um, like that. Um, another one is in devotion when, we, um, when I'm unpacking, I guess, karma yoga and that sense of giving and being a service. Um, one of the on the flows to that is, okay, this week, choose one day to do a random act of kindness. So do something for someone else that's anonymous. Don't tell them you've done something. Don't tell anyone else that you've done something for that person. So it's in the giving where the real juice is, where the real magic is.
0: And not in Um, the acknowledgement of having been someone who's given.
1: No. Like I remember doing something um, I was – I was coming back from um, Christmas one year in the country and I was with my little cousin and we were driving back to Sydney and we, you know, around Christmas time the roads are packed and we stopped off at a petrol station and someone, I went to pay for my petrol and the lady behind the counter said, oh no, no, someone's paid for your petrol. And I was, okay, admittedly, the first thing, the first thing that I, thought was where's the creep and what does he want like I thought it was maybe a bit of a creepy thing hello ego ego yeah, yeah. and then I realized all of a sudden like no one no one's putting their hand up like and the cool thing about that was I eventually went oh my god that is so nice so the lady behind the counter was like man that's pretty nice and then a couple of other people who were behind me in line was like wow that's really cool
2: that's super and so
1: cool. what happens when something like when 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 something in a community and an environment happens, like apparently our bodies release oxytocin, which is that bonding, mm, um, the bonding feel good chemical. kind of, yeah, in the body. And so I got a shot of oxytocin. My cousin got a shot of oxytocin. Lady behind kana counter, oxytocin. Everyone around us, oxytocin. Everyone feels, gets this shot of oxytocin. It's feel good. Now, uh, was, so this person, it was a random act of kindness. They didn't put their hand up and... And and it just felt good. And my cousin and I just talked about it the whole way home and I'm still talking about it to this day. So exactly. Here we one are, of the right? Things. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. one of the... And the good thing is that you always want to pay that one forward. So I did the same thing a couple of months later. Amazing. Um, and
0: tell me you can't heal the world with that kind of stuff. Like that literally turned everybody's frown upside down who was within the radius of being able to hear that story in that petrol station that day and like it's just it literally ripples through so much further than the two people that that was directly involving that's just super cool
1: I was glowing Mm. like I was just so I was just so on a high for hours afterwards. It was, it was again, just a really profound experience. Mm. So th- things like that are in there. And then like ground in the grounding um, chapter, uh, really practical tips on just guided visualizations and exploring um, how to sense energy in your body and how to ground it. Um, and these are all things that I've just learned from my teachers. I'm not making any of this up. This is stuff mm. that's been passed down from teacher to teacher and and also things that I have um, borrowed from other traditions um, and, 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 and my teachers. So um, and that's do you another th- one. Do you the 90-second some... rule. That's a oh, good sorry. one that's in there. Yeah, that, The 90-second yeah. rule. So I've always been taught that if you're, um, you know, I talk in the book about um, feeling the full range of human emotions. Because if we're choosing and, you know, Brene Brown says this a lot in her work, if we're choosing to numb out um, sadness and, and um, grief because it's not necessarily a pleasant feeling, we subconsciously numb out all the really um, what we call good feelings like joy and um, ecstasy because we have to feel into that Full range of human emotions to mm. feel to feel it all right.
2: Mm. So
1: the ninety second rule says that if you feel an uncomfortable feeling come on, and you'd normally numb out through I don't know how do you numb? Some people, gosh, some, some people, people drink, open the bottle of wine. Some people eat. Some people take drugs. Right. Some people right, just
0: squash it and then go and hit a spin class. Uh, you know like a lot of people do a lot of blocking when it comes to the icky stuff yeah absolutely yeah mm.
1: so the 90 second rule states is that if you sit with it and really let yourself feel it for 90 seconds it'll mm. come in a wave and it'll generally generally subside so the idea is that you don't go to your numbing tactics you sit with it for 90 seconds and look it might come on again there's another wave but then you sit with it for 90 seconds and it's kind of the doing. same
0: principle as um, as thoughts coming into your mind during a meditation, isn't it? It's like you acknowledge yep. it and you sit with it and then you let it drift on by.
1: Yep. Obviously so not that
0: easy for everybody and please see a physician if you are having any kind of issue where 90 seconds go and you are dark as. Uh, I think yeah. it's, it's a responsibility that we say that. But I'm fascinated yeah. by... What the simple acknowledgement of these um, icky feelings? Are. I'm actually interviewing Dr. Joan Rosenberg, the psychologist who wrote the "90 mm. Seconds to a Life You Love" book um, next week. Oh. So this is a perfect precursor for people to dip their toes into uh, in the water on this topic.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, you're right. There, there are certain cases where it. it I mean, 90 seconds isn't going, going to really help someone and, and, and we could be in a really sort of dark place. But um, but generally speaking, and I mean, imagine if we get taught this in primary school. Mm, yeah. just Feel what you feel. Yeah, yeah. Feel what you feel. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And um, that's why the practice yeah. of yoga goes hand in hand with that theory and, and the whole feeling what you feel because how many times when you're in a yoga pose and you feel really uncomfortable and you just you want to numb out you know how you numb out you grit your teeth you uh divert your attention to thinking about what you're going to have for dinner or what you've got to do at work that's a form of numbing in mm. in, in the asana practice
0: or you just so, straighten your thigh like sometimes i do i'm like oh yeah. damn it i'm
1: so weak <laughs> <laughs> so and you know what it's okay to do that as well. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're going to straighten your leg in warrior two or any little standing postures like that, you do it and you own it and you breathe. I think one of the most advanced things that you can do in a yoga practice is breathe consciously the whole practice. It doesn't matter if you fall out. It doesn't matter if you come out of a posture. Um, you know, as long as you're not coming out reacting, like being angry and even yeah. then it's okay but just, Obviously, we're, we're watching yeah. that kind of reaction. Um, but yeah, like just staying with the sensation that you're feeling in the hip, breathing into it. And more often than not, if we're greeting that sensation of compassion and kindness, it starts to dissolve. Mm. And when you come out of that posture, if you really notice, like the places where you felt the most sensation, the place, if say, for example, your hip is just like, your glutes are just like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can handle this, but you stay with it. Yeah. You breathe through it, you lean into it. And then when you come out of the posture, it's probably the place where you feel the most alive, where mm. you feel the most energetically abundant. Yeah. And it's the same. Feelings, just like emotions, they move we mm. you've got to be willing to kind of stay with them.
0: I agree. And I think something that I have learned through the practice of yoga is courage when I'm off the mat. Because if you step through those really tough moments in a class, you're literally training your brain that you can do hard things. And then you get mm. off the mat and then you're in day-to-day life and you have that same feeling as you just had in Warrior 2 and you're like, no, I'm going to push through yep. this. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I really mm. do, re- I, I do revere that as probably one of the most powerful aspects to a regular yoga practice.
1: Isn't it? That is one of the first things I noticed as well, Alex. I mm. started to stress the small stuff left. I always say that it teaches you yoga practice, the asana practice, Um, It teaches you grace under pressure. Mm. Not always. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually though, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like our yoga is tested so often. Our yoga is tested when we get in the car and someone cuts in front of us. Yeah. And our first reaction, I say our, I'm generalizing. My first reaction is to yell at them. I won't do it to their face. I'm yeah. not that brave, but, uh, you know, in, in, in my own car. Our mm. um, y- y- yoga is tested on a daily basis. It's around the corner all the time. So, yeah, it teaches us grace under pressure for sure. It does. And, um, okay,
0: so I want to ask you what, if you had to pick a couple of poses that you couldn't mm. couldn't live without, what would they be?
1: Um it changes all the time. I was doing the book signing at Booktopia um, a couple of days ago, Alex, like, and someone asked me this as well. Mm. Um changes all the time. So at the moment, Shavasana for sure.
0: <laughs> Hello new mum. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love I always love pigeon. It's just it's I love pigeon too. Really, so good. yeah. I mean it hits that it, – it's not always comfortable. It always feels a bit interesting. Like I say in classes, we never want feelings or sensations in the body to be risky, but interesting is okay. Mm. Um, so it seems to really hit some really sweet spots in the glutes and also leading off from that, um, mermaid. So when you're in pigeon, you lift up the back calf. Mm-hmm. You know
0: that one? Mm. Can you see it? Yes, I can see it. Back calf oh, lifted. Um, yep yep okay, so with you, you
1: and then what happens from pigeons well then you bind then you hold on to the back gotcha. ankle yeah and it's a beautiful back bend as well mm. hip opener yeah um i love inverting i love going upside down i love my handstands um, and headstands yeah but they change all the time depends what i need
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's very um very reflective i guess of it's almost like you've got this vocabulary of options, and then depending on what you need that day, you can draw on different words, so to speak. Yep.
1: and and every posture brings with it a different physical, you know, benefit as well as a mental benefit. Some of them are really clarifying. Some of them are really energizing. Some of them can help you prepare for bed. Some of them are great for digestion and oh, so good. But um, but the the one posture that someone would say to me what's the one posture you should do for the rest of your life i would say generalizing here but for everyone it's like downward dog because you're stretching out the whole back line of the body it's great for digestion it's great for energy it's clarifying you've got all the blood rushing to the head so it's just um one of those postures
0: awesome um and then i'm going to ask you one more question before i let you go Mm. Uh, mm. there are so many beautiful references you give to texts that have inspired you um, both in the book and when you're teaching a class and you'll often kind of mm. hone in on a particular thought that uh, an amazing thought leader's had and share it and, um, and, and then talk through it a little bit. Uh, as we're talking right now, which one of those is coming to your mind that you would share with us right now?
1: Like a thought leader from that I write about in the book? That you
0: write about in the book, or that you've shared in your class, just something that someone who has inspired you uh, mm. that you've Love do. Yeah, yeah, okay, love too. I mm-hmm. just
1: love all of here, all of all of the lessons. I guess one of the ones that really hits home for me is um, those who flow as life flows know they need no other force. So
0: those who flow as life flows know they need no other force. Nice. Mm. Sorry, I'm writing it down. I love that one. (laughs) It is beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Need no other force. And it's so true. I mean, I think back to times that I have felt mega in flow and it just feels like everything is carrying you in the way that you need it to at that time in your life, but you're also doing stuff to create more energy in that flow as well. It's not totally passive. I think the time
1: when we feel like we're not in the flow is when we're resisting that flow. So mm. stuff will come up and stuff will happen to us and we think it's the worst thing in the world and we resist it and that's what causes the suffering. Mm. But a lot of, a lot of um, these teachings from Lao Tzu um, are encouraging us to... Go with the flow, that's a very simple term. Yeah, yeah. easier said than done right. Mm. But law of least resistance. You know, very rarely do you look back on think of think of something that is at the time that just felt so shit. It just felt so like, mm. Oh my god, how did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and and, you know sometimes really bad shit does happen, like people lose people really close to them and that's you know, it never feels in that part of life. That's part of this beautiful reminder that we're only here for a certain amount of time, right? Mm. But say for example you break you have a breakup and you think, Oh my god, I'm never gonna find someone like him again. Like I've felt like that before. Yeah. I'm never gonna find Yeah. And then you look back and go, Are you joking? (laughs) Look what I've got now Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> at the time, it just feels like it's the worst thing in the world. But then you look back and go, ah, like, oh, like someone up there or something up there of some force had a way greater plan than I could ever orchestrate for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. So true. It is so true. And, I mean, so often uh, I've, I've spoken to people on the podcast about this. I've studied Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and he's talked about it a lot. Those things that we think are really going to make life never be able to be good again we could Mm -hmm. stay with that and resist it the whole time that this thing happened we could be that person who you ask you know what's up oh well 20 years ago I got fired from this job and I just they were such an asshole and uh." you could you could stay with it if you chose the path of resistance but if you go with the flow you then become this person that gets asked, you know, you know, why are you so awesome? Well, 20 years ago I got fired from this job, which led to me doing this course that I didn't even have mm. on my radar at the time, which led to me meeting this person, which led to me meeting mm-hmm. my now wife. And life is awesome. And we really do – I really do believe that, um, that that is that conscious decision to see where that takes you in growth and
1: in life. Yep. There's mm. a saying in the Vedic tradition, and I refer to this in the book as well, um in the vedic tradition so that's how i meditate in the vedic tradition mm-hmm. and one beautiful little lesson that i've worked from it is to follow the charm so any little charming moments that come up they're like little breadcrumbs or they're like little hints to your greatest most epic little life oh, so I like follow that. the charm follow the charm people
0: amazing Katie, thank you so much for joining me on this show. I
1: can't wait for
0: everybody to get their hands on this book. Uh, Where can we get it? Is it on Booktopia, Book Depository? Amazon is going to be everywhere, really easy to find?
1: Yeah, you can go to Booktopia. It's on Booktopia. You can go into bookstores um, and you can come and take a class with me even at Slow Athletic and say hi. But, um, yeah, you can definitely get it at all good bookstores and head online.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com. And there we have everything beautifully organised into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action. And there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at life, and also on Facebook by page the same name. I make everything super easy, life. So so you can find it really really simply thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on stitcher or itunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show and also to let you know that you can join us on patreon dot com forward slash lotox life and come join the private lotox life club in there over time more and more cool stuff is about to be added it's a place where we can continue the conversations chat about the weekly show You're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week.